Yo, yo, yo. Hello, hello, hello. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World. I'm your host, as always, Kane Sims, and today we have an epic conversation lined up for you with Birud Seth, who is the co-founder and CEO of Gupshop and the ex-co-founder and creator of, sorry, founder and creator of Upwork. I'm pretty sure that a lot of you entrepreneurial-minded people have probably used Upwork in the past. And so uh, we're going to be talking about Gupshop. We're going to be talking about the conversational AI platform uh, that Gupshop has and all about Beerud's journey and, you know, uh, the emerging the emerging markets, which is incredibly interesting. There's a lot of trends that we're going to get into, uh, lots of differences and similarities between uh, those emerging markets and the likes of the US and, and, and Europe and stuff like that. Uh, and it's going to be epic. So I'm looking forward to getting into that. Uh, but first, there's two things to tell you about before we kick off. One is a free workshop that I'm running with Cognigy coming up a week after next. And it's going to be all about assessing your customer experience maturity. And if you come and join this workshop, you will have an interactive time, two hours long. It's going to be a proper workshop. It's not a webinar where we're going to walk you through some of the real core components of customer experience maturity. And you'll be able to collaborate with other attendees at the event to be able to understand how you can level up your customer experience game. There's going to be things in there about conversational AI and automation, but it is a high-level and more general customer experience maturity workshop. There's a whole bunch of exciting exercises that are going to help you develop things like a vision for your future of your customer experience, looking at the roles and responsibilities and people that you need within the team and influencers and stakeholders that you need to have on board. We're going to look at some actions that you can take today and in the next six and 12 months to be able to start bringing your vision to life and a whole lot more. So please do go to VUA dot world forward slash Cognigy if you want to sign up for that it is completely free uh, but be prepared to roll up your sleeves because it will be an engaging hands-on workshop that is vux dot world forward slash c-o-g-n-i-g-y Cognigy uh, and I'd like to give a shout out to our presenting sponsor, DeepGram. Uh, DeepGram has been sponsoring this show for a while now. DeepGram has industry-leading speech recognition technologies built on neural networks and deep learning approaches. And the difference between DeepGram and many other providers out there is that DeepGram's general speech recognition models tend to outperform most other models, even some models when they've been retrained and had additional training on top of them. Plus, you can actually retrain those models as well, which means that you can get increased accuracy from your speech recognition, which not only helps if you're recording things like phone calls or meetings and you want to get accurate transcripts for compliance or what have you, but also, crucially, if you're creating voice assistance, you want to be feeding as accurate data as you possibly can into your NLU to give your NLU the best chance of being able to match that to an intent. And DeepGram has a whole bunch of tooling that enable you to get super accurate speech recognition, 99% in some cases, in some use cases. So go to VUX, uh, sorry, go to deepgram.com forward slash VUXworld to learn more about that. That is deepgram.com forward slash V-U-X world. Now, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please welcome Birud Seth, who is the CEO of Gupshop. Birud, welcome. Hey, thanks again for having me here. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, you know, very much appreciative of your time. You were just saying there that you've just re- returned from uh, from Europe, a nice nice trip abroad. So hopefully you're nice and relaxed and uh, feeling your way into the week. Well, it was uh, part vacation, part work. I did go to India as well, which was all work. And right. then also, you know, these days remote work means, you know, you can work from anywhere, which means oftentimes you do. And that's not so good either. But yeah, it was it was good. It was a month on the road living out of suitcases. You know, that can become challenging, but uh, no complaints. It was all good. 
Nice, nice, wicked. Well, uh, thank you for joining us and congratulations on the success that you've been having. It seems as though a day doesn't go by when I open LinkedIn or open my emails and I don't get an email saying that Gupshop has done something or acquired someone or there's something happening seemingly every week uh, with you and your team. So congratulations on the success. It must be a pretty busy time over there. Well, uh, thank you. But, but, you know, look, you don't get rewarded for doing acquisitions. You get rewarded for doing something with the acquisitions that you do. So, you know, I think the jury's still out uh, So for you to congratulate us. But, yeah, there's a lot of momentum, lots of good things happening, uh, lots to keep us busy. Nice. Well, congratulations on the momentum then perhaps is, a, is a, another way of phrasing it. Um, but but yeah, I mean things 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 must be clicking and and going in the right direction. You know, you raised you raised a hell of a lot of funds, hundred million, I think it was, followed by two hundred and forty million uh, last year. Valued at what is it, one point four billion? There's not many right. unicorns in uh, in the conversational AI space, so you're part of a rare club already. So yeah, the direction the direction must be a good direction to be heading in. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, there's a good momentum, good revenue scale. Uh, you know, we, we are seeing a lot of growth. We are a profitable company and we continue to have a very ha- comprehensive product suite, uh, a lot of investments in our product roadmap uh, and one of the largest teams perhaps in the conversational messaging and AI space. So I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of assets we've accumulated and we are investing heavily looking to scale it up. So excited about the opportunity and, you know, just uh, keeping at it, yeah. Nice. Um, so how would you describe Gupshop to someone who hasn't come across Gupshop before? So we are, we describe ourselves as a conversational engagement platform, okay? And that's a bit of a technical term, but we, we help businesses engage better with their consumers. Um, through conversational messaging, right? So uh, traditionally businesses have engaged with their consumers through maybe through websites, through mobile apps, maybe even offline stores and branch locations. But as you know, you know, messaging is emerging as, as the new uh, sort of medium for engaging customers and to do it better across multiple messaging channels, could be, could be SMS, could be WhatsApp, could be Instagram, Telegram, RCS, and so on. It could be basic notifications, right? Which are alerts, you know, uh, transaction alerts, you know, package tracking alerts, you know, booking confirmations, things like that, or rich conversational two-way messaging as well, right? Which then takes you into advanced conversational AI and so on. So anyway, I think uh, really, in a nutshell, uh, we enable you know conversational interactions between businesses and consumers. In fact, you know, many of your listeners may not know that the word gupshap itself means chit chat, right, or conversation in Hindi. Uh, so I think it's uh, very appropriately named uh, in that sense. And our tagline sort of says, you know, one on one with everyone, right? So it's sort of really having personalized uh, conversations at scale. Uh, that's what we do. Nice. You 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 already answered my next question there, which is which was what does Gupshop stand for? Because it's a it's a very different name, you know. It's a totally it's something that just stands out. Everything everything has AI at the end of it these days. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Gupshop is a very very interesting term. Yeah, you should uh, you know I, I I talk about for non-Indian you know people who don't know the language. I say, remember this as the next famous word from the language that gave you yoga, nirvana, and Kama Sutra. 
Nice, nice. Everybody knows those terms, right? <laughs> they do, they do, they do. And wasn't didn't um, Buddhism originate? Kind of was it India that Buddhism originated in? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I think really, you know, and and I'm I'm no expert. So the simple version is: there's really been two places in the world where most religions originated, right? One was the Middle East, right? Israel, perhaps, where where you know Judaism, Christianity, and even Islam was sort of an offshoot of Middle East and Arabia and so on. And then there are the Indic languages, which all came out of India, right? Including Hinduism, Jainism, Buddhism, and then even all the Zen and Shintoism and so on were all offshoots of, of that school mm. of thought. So anyway, it really, you know, it's got to be one or the other, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, ironically, I know this is a bit of a digression, but but I read something the other day, and who knows how this, this information got to light and where it come from. It could be complete rubbish for all I know. But uh, for any kind of Christians out there, I heard somewhere, I read somewhere that actually Jesus himself, apparently in his 20s, went traveling to India and studied Buddhism for an extended period of time. And so my little theory in the back of my mind is, and I hope this doesn't offend anybody, (laughs) but it's that what Jesus was doing was trying to actually tell people about Buddhism and they kind of misconstrued it and turned it into Christianity. (laughs) Okay, well... Yeah. I have nothing to add there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, that's, we we digress. But uh, so so that that was where you began, though, was it? The journey of Gupshup was beginning with providing these services. Was it was it in India that you began in terms of a target market, target geography? Like, where did it start? Yeah, I think uh, now you know. I mean, I grew up in India, but I came to the U.S. for grad school, right? And I've been here since then. As you mentioned earlier, I've been a serial entrepreneur. I founded Upwork, right? So I've been based in Silicon Valley for a long time. And then when we got started with Gupshop, um, I think like many companies do, right? We set up the engineering team in India. And uh, I think as we were kicking around different ideas, you know, the mobile revolution was taking off. Uh, the next billion or maybe 5 billion users, they were not on this desktop version of the web. Right, they were all uh, sort of on the mobile uh, version of the web, and uh, these mobile-first ecosystems, right? They 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 did not adopt sort of web technologies as much. They all went to mobile, and on mobile, messaging is the lowest common denominator, right? And initially, it was just SMS with feature phones, right? And then with smartphones, you had uh, more richer interactions and so on. So the 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 biggest aha, right, back in. 2007, six or 2007 or something, right? Was sort of messaging is the lowest common denominator. It reaches the most people worldwide in a form factor that they're comfortable and convenient and that they're comfortable with and is convenient for them. So then that begs the question, what are, what kind of digital services can you layer on top of the messaging channel? And the more you can do there, you know, the more people you can reach, right? So I think uh, that was it. And I think just that problem is still something we're trying to, you know, solve and take it to its sort of logical extreme, right? So initially it was just SMS, which is, as you know, a very primitive protocol, right? It's just 160 characters of plain text, right? Which is, by the way, where Twitter got its inspiration from as well. Right. So really, uh, there's not much you can do with it, but it's still very powerful because it reaches everyone. Right. So in the beginning, they were just basic notifications. But then 
as as smart uh, you know feature phones evolved into smartphones as messaging channels evolved into ott apps and so on now you know messaging channels are much richer you can have images you can have clickable you know quick replies and and two way conversational interactions and all of that so so now the platform itself has gotten a lot richer which means you can layer on a lot more interesting services that we'll talk about so mm. i think that's been the evolution of our journey and you know and i think in uh, this is a really big deal especially in the mobile first parts of the ecosystem right i think sitting in us or western europe where the digital ecosystem is primarily web centric right uh, you, you don't appreciate messaging is sort of an incremental channel for communication for notification and so on right and the idea is to you 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 drive a message that uh, or you send a message that drives traffic back to the web to finish the transaction right but when you go to these mobile first ecosystems no the message is you know is the platform the message is where you you do the transaction you don't send users anywhere else mm-hmm. right so it's it's a far more significant it's sort of the primary digital backbone it's not an incremental channel for doing something extra it is sort of the primary channel in which everything gets done and that that opens up a lot more possibilities Mm, it's interesting because I know that you know you like of China and stuff with WeChat. It has a whole bunch of capabilities laid on top of it to the point where it's not really a messaging app. It's a all oh, your banking and your kind of restaurant reservations. Everything's all within the one kind of place. Is that the kind of experiences that your clients in in those kind of markets are creating? These like one stop messaging shops where you can do everything that you need to do when you engage with a business. So um uh, yes and no and the, it's a, it's a little nuanced right so let me explain um firstly you're right i mean wechat is just an an amazing platform right it's not just a messaging app but a super app uh which enables a wide range of possibilities right so uh, you can not just chat with your friends but you can interact with businesses um and virtually every business in china is is on wechat right if you visit as a tourist you can book buy shop and pay you know every restaurant will have a queue restaurant table will have a qr code which you scan and something happens every billboard every you know every packaged uh, consumer good that you buy will have some qr code which links to some wechat experience and so on right so it's very deeply integrated into the ecosystem so that's where that's where the similarities are and by the way the reason why it works this way inside the messaging app is because it takes care of you know identity authentication the wallet payment integration all of that is is part of the messaging app which everybody uses anyway and then when you layer on all these business interactions uh that the super app i mean it really sort of enables this vision of a super app right uh so that's where messaging is a powerful sort of container to enable these richer services uh but where it's different is that these are not conversational experiences right so wechat has this thing they call it a mini program and a mini program is essentially an html5 web page right so it's still really a web metaphor a web page and uh, inside that messaging app you have a different section right so so there's the there are all your messaging threads and then there's a different section for mini programs where you can interact with any business and do it right so uh, so it's still inside the messaging app but it's a very different metaphor it's a very different experience right but when we look at western sort of products right if you look at a uh, whatsapp or a facebook messenger or instagram even and so on i think usually these products are designed you know we like them to be clean 
uh, a single metaphor. You're not going to mix metaphors, right? So, so that's where uh, if you if you are true to your conversational experience, then you'll say yes. Let's have businesses also interact. You know, let's also have consumers. You know, let's embed business messaging inside the messaging app, just like it's in WeChat. But let's not mix up the metaphor, right? Let's keep it each thing as a conversational thread. So you still have a list of, you know, threads, and then you chat in each of those threads. It's just that some of them are personal conversations and some of them are business conversations. So, so that's what I meant, right? Yes, it's mm-hmm. similar to WeChat in that it's all wrapped inside the messaging app, but it's different from WeChat in that you have conversational threads versus mini programs. Mm, interesting. <clears throat> and so in, 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 in the West, as you mentioned, messaging is often something that's like secondary or, or an added feature. So you mentioned Instagram, the messaging part of Instagram is like a, it's a bit hidden out the way kind of thing. Same thing with Facebook and Facebook messenger. It's a bit hidden out the way. WhatsApp arguably is a channel that uh, is used a heck of a lot, certainly for personal uh, relationships, same thing as iMessage and stuff like that. But businesses haven't quite gravitated to it. I, all of these messaging channels, even Google My Business, you can build bots on Google My Business messaging, which all of these things, when put together, I think show that, the, that there is significant opportunity there. But we had we had Charles Guth from Decathlon, large sports retailer, on the podcast a few weeks ago. They shut their call center when COVID hit. And they focused on automating their messaging channels. And with a combination of Instagram, Facebook, sorry, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, and Google My Business, they've completely absorbed all of their contact center contact. And it's and a lot of it is being automated now through uh, conversational AI. But that's a really unique uh, case study when you compare it to most other businesses and how they operate typically. So I'm wondering if you can kind of maybe draw out a little bit of some of the maybe the differences in terms of customer behavior that exists in some of the markets that you're serving and how, as you were saying, messaging seems to be, is messaging at a point where it's the default channel for for customers and, and for users in, in that part of the world or not? Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, exactly, right? Like you said, um, uh, even in the Western markets, there's a, there's a ton of, opportunity where where messaging experiences right through google business messages uh through rcs you know through um, instagram dms right and um, and facebook messenger messenger itself uh there's a lot of opportunity also you see a lot of these chat widgets on websites and so on right so clearly there's a there's a massive growth opportunity in um, in enabling rich interactive experiences between businesses and consumers you know, it can reduce uh, so call center expenses. It can actually improve call center quality. Uh, it can provide instant, you know, uh, 24 by 7 instant response with no wait time whatsoever. I mean, these are extremely powerful capabilities, right? So there's no question that there's a huge untapped market that businesses should do, right? Uh, but I think uh, beyond a certain point, um, I think, as it matures, there's also some some limits to how big the opportunity can be because, because you know, the web is a mature ecosystem, right? People have built websites, consumers use, you know, uh, websites for commerce. Um, it has, and, and not just the, the experience itself, but the whole ecosystem around it, right? Being able to advertise, being able to track and analyze and optimize and monetize and all of that, you know, the whole 
infra is set up, uh, right? So it's sort of, it, it is very web-centric. Uh, so messaging can, will grow to its fullness. There's a, there's a ton of opportunity in these markets. Uh, but but when you get to emerging markets, it's it's sort of you know the, it's a t- twice bigger opportunity in the sense that of course everything you could do in Western markets for these messaging use cases applies right in the emerging markets, but even the web centric transactions and commerce and interactions can also be ported onto messaging because because in those markets you know you don't have I mean the web. The desktop web, right, is not as prevalent. The mobile app ecosystem, again, is is not as prevalent. Now, I want to be careful when I say that, right? Of course, you know, India, Brazil, I mean, there's so many e-commerce companies, there's a lot of growth. But again, when you sort of, you know, scratch the surface a little bit, that's typically like the top sort of 100 million users in India, right? That's a huge number, by the way. That's that's bigger than most countries, but, but it's only like maybe, you know, 10% of the Indian population base, right? Or even in Brazil, I think the top of the market, you know, e-commerce and so on is very web-centric, just like the U.S. But when you look at the the, the whole sort of the, the masses, right? When you look at the entire uh, base, you still have a ton of businesses that have no digital presence whatsoever, right? The corner grocery store, the pharmacy, the, um, you know, the restaurant and so on. I mean, they may have no digital presence at all. And there's like tens of millions of businesses like that, right? So I think what I'm trying to say is, you know, the the, the digital revolution almost hasn't reached uh, some of these parts of the world, um, you know, in quite the same way as we know it in, in the US and, and in, in the Western markets. So, so I think that's the, you know, to me, um, yes, the, the messaging opportunity in the US is huge. Uh, and then, but in emerging markets, it's like transformational. It is the platform, right? It is. It mm. is as if we're in the mid '90s, where the web is is emerging for the first time, uh, except in a different format, right? Sort of in in this sort of messaging and conversational uh, form factor, right? So, so I think that's a that's a really big deal, right? So it's it's sort of, you know, uh, I mean, as we know, with hindsight from the mid nineties, when the web happened, it's created like a multi-trillion dollar ecosystem, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so many trillion dollar companies that didn't exist before the web. Um, and that's huge, right? So it's sort of really just sizing the, the magnitude of the opportunity. You could have something, you know, there's no reason why what's happening in the emerging markets today cannot be of the same scale, right? Mm-hmm. And just like, just like when, you know, I think every business, every brand, had to build a website, right, in the mid-90s. And with hindsight, we know there are millions and billions of websites now. Um, you know, you're going to have the same thing, right, that the millions of chatbots or conversational experiences more generally, right, will will happen more in the emerging markets, right, than sort of in the Western markets where, you know, everybody is sort of, the, the web is good enough, right? <laughs> There's nothing, you don't need to change, but these emerging markets are leapfrogging in a, in a much more significant way. Yeah, that's really interesting. There was, there was conversations that I had, uh, I would say probably even before last year, which is this around, you know, how most businesses these days are going through some degree of digital transformation. They're going through some degree of either re-architecting their technology to be able to offer self-service and streamlined services and products on all these different channels that we've been mentioning. Um, and that's that was before the advent of conversational AI. And so some of the conversations that we were having kind of like a couple of years back was almost like hypothesizing that some businesses will kind of skip the mobile 
revolution, so to speak, or skip the kind of, you know, you mentioned the small kind of mum and pop shops, might skip the internet and go straight onto social media. Sorry, skip websites and go straight onto social media, which I think we've seen some do. Um, but then there's this concept from from the customer behavior perspective from the West, you can look at the adoption of things and everything started with a desktop computer that had the internet and then it went to mobile that had the internet and now it's moving over to AI services. Whereas in those emerging markets, as you mentioned, hundreds of millions of users, would it be fair to say, and do you agree with this kind of notion that that all of those people may skip this internet revolution, for want of a better word, skip the internet on desktop and, and all that kind of stuff and almost jump straight to these AI-mediated services. It sounds like that's kind of what, what you're kind of getting at. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, exactly. I would say messaging-mediated, right? And then right. AI is a part of it. But even with it, without AI, I think just the ability to, uh, you know, I mean, let's take the simple thing, right? If you look at these emerging markets, what do people do with their smartphones most of the time, right? It's really, uh, depending on which country they're in, they, they, they're using WhatsApp, for example, right? Uh, 50 times a day. To, to communicate with their friends and family members. And now that you have businesses also having a presence there, they can chat with the business just as easily as chatting with a friend or family, right? So, and, and that chat could be structured, right? Without AI or could be, you know, uh, sometimes it may even be manual, right? You just send it to a, a customer support desk uh, with human agents that can provide those responses, right? So. So the point is this sort of the, the messaging experience and the messaging platforms are so prevalent where every consumer, every business is on that platform and they're using that to do more and more business, right? And then, and then of course, uh, you can have, uh, so, so the baseline is manual, then you can have automated, and then on top of it, you can have AI. And because it's a conversational medium, there's a very natural you know, place for for NLP and NLU and all the conversational AI capabilities, right? So, mm. so yeah, so I think it's really, I, I think the, what I'm trying to draw towards is, you know, sort of the, whether it's a desktop internet or the mobile internet in, in the West, while in emerging markets, it's really messaging is far more central. It's sort of the primary medium of interaction, not just a, a secondary channel like it is in the West, yeah. Mm, interesting. And for your customers that are utilizing your platform to, you know, provide services and, and whatnot to, to customers in these messaging channels, have you found in in building Gupshop that you've had any particular challenges as it relates to this? Because, for example, you mentioned that like in 2007, it was all SMS based, very limited functionality on the SMS kind of channel, you know, so and then, for example, WhatsApp things like the the uh, user has to initiate the message before you can engage the conversation and, and these kind of things. Every every kind of channel, so to speak, or platform type has its own restrictions and limitations, for want of a better word, that might impact what a business can actually do. Um, have you noticed any kind of like either challenges that have been overcome or hindrances that your customers or even yourselves that building this platform have faced when you have to deal with the capabilities and requirements and, and various ins and outs of all of these different messaging channels? I mean, so, you know, yes and no. Yes, yes, there's a lot of lot of challenges and variant variations uh, and limitations and restrictions in, in different channels. Uh, but 
then it is incumbent on platforms, uh, tech companies like us, like Gupshop, to, to sort of solve it once and for all, and then make it easy for enterprises, right? So in a way, what we try to do is we try to deal with all that complexity, automate it and hide it so that when the actual business user starts adopting it, they don't see any of that, right? They get it out of the box. So for example, they could build a chatbot and then it just works. It works on every channel, right? So then they don't have to worry. They don't have to choose. And our engineers will deal with the complexity of, you know, uh, transforming message formats and managing opt-ins and managing, you know, um, sort of policy and compliance issues and things like that, right? So, so I think in that sense, you know, yes, right, because each of these platforms is, uh, is built by different companies, you know, SMSs, you know, telcos control it, WhatsApp, of course, Meta controls it, RCS is Google, GBM is Google, and so on. So, so yes, that drives uh, a, a little bit of complexity, but then, you know, we, it's, I think it's the same with the web, right? I mean, if you remember anybody building a website back in the mid nineties, you know, you had to worry about, you know, app servers and browser variations and hosting and data centers and you name it. And now, you know, you can, you can spin up a website in, in minutes because all of that is hidden away. So I think that's how technology evolves. Um, I think, you know, the, the good thing we feel, uh, what we feel good about is, you know, Gupship has been able to to scale uh, with investment dollars and resources and engineering teams and capabilities to really build out that that infrastructure, right? The, the, the platform that every business will need. Because look, if I talk about, you know, every business, every brand should be able to do this. I mean, you're talking about millions, maybe tens of millions of businesses. Right when you talk that scale, then then the tools can't be complex. I mean, they have to be, you know, quick and easy and simple uh, and configurable and you know modifiable and so on. Right. Mm-hmm. So so I'm I'm sort of uh, presuming that that will happen. Uh, of course, you know, Gupship is committed to doing it, but other companies as well will try to uh, enable all of that. Right. So so. I mean, you kind of have to look at the opportunity, the size of the opportunity, and then then your product strategy has to has to match that, has to be in tune with that. And and there are many examples on the web, right? I mean, for example, Shopify did that for e-commerce merchants, right? I mean, they take all the typical things, right? Catalog and payment and billing and taxes and you know merchandising and and you name it, right? Everything related to e-commerce, they sort of try to put it all together in one place. Right. Um, you look at cloud services, right? AWS and others. I mean, they try to simplify all the hosting sort of things and make it easily available to to developers. You know, Stripe has done that with payments and so on. So in the same way, right? Each of these things were very, very complex to begin with, but once you package it up nicely and if you succeed with it, then it's really valuable, right? So in the same way, we want to build that sort of conversational stack, right? And um, and in fact, you know, you alluded to some of the acquisitions earlier. Well, it's not like we're just out there doing indiscriminate acquisitions. I think we said, okay, what is the stack that's needed for businesses of all sizes, right? Small and large, across geographies, across industries. Uh, if they, if we think that there's going to be millions of these conversational experiences going to be built uh, in the next few years, what is the product stack that's required to enable it, right? Right from the simplest and the basic, you know, the messaging and the connectivity to the conversational tools, whether you have human agents or 
just automated workflows or conversational AI and then specialized by industry and geography and payment integrations and so on, right? So I think we are we say we're building out that whole stack. And in some cases we build it, in some cases we've bought companies that augment parts of the stack, right? That really strengthen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our goal, our vision is to really, you know, and then offer a simple, unified, but powerful product, right? So, so one is it has to be rich and comprehensive, right? And then the other is it has to be really simple to, to adopt and to use. And that's what we do, yeah. Mm. So you mentioned those acquisitions. If I, if I was to go through um, the recent ones, I mean, so we've spoke a lot about messaging. We spoke a lot about emerging markets. <clears throat> so you, Gupshop has solved seemingly that front-end problem you mentioned there that don't worry about translating a message coming in from one platform and, and all that kind of stuff your engineers have solved for you know translating that message into the format that your platform will understand that will enable those conversations to happen <clears throat> you've obviously got connectors to each of these channels you've obviously got some degree of, of a design studio that will enable customers to be able to build out some of these automated experiences but then if you look at one direct that you acquired uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, agent assist capabilities, Nolarity, uh, cloud telephony, almost like CCAS provider, Active AI and AskSid, banking and retail, respectively, conversational AI platforms. So there's the domain expertise that comes with that for certain industries. And then you've got the dot .go, which is the rich communication services, which enables more richer interactions on the front end to happen. It's, I mean, I, I could look at those acquisitions and say, Gupshop is moving beyond messaging into a more kind of like horizontal conversational AI platform where the end channel doesn't really matter. What really matters is as long as it's conversational, we'll deal with it. The channel is irrelevant, and we're also building up expertise in very specific industries like retail, banking, etc. Does that is that kind of what you're getting at? Is that you're now moving beyond messaging into a broader conversational AI platform? That's. I think that's exactly correct. You said it better than I could. I think you should help us with our marketing, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, that's exactly right. Right. I think uh, so. We think of uh, you know. Uh, so we have this slide where we lay out the product stack, right? And the product stack, you think of it as a three-layer cake, and the, the base layer is the is the channel connectivity, right? All the connectors that you talked about. So that's across every possible channel that that businesses could be interested in. Uh, certainly, you know, SMS was was the biggest for a long time. WhatsApp is growing, emerging very rapidly. Uh, RCS is something that Google and telcos are launching, right? Um, and then you can add many more, Instagram, Telegram, Skype, and so on, which have varying degrees of traffic and so on. But that's sort of the connectivity layer, right? And and once a business connects to us, then they can connect to every channel. We take care of all of that, right? So that's sort of the base layer. And then the middle layer on top is, uh, uh, you know, that provides, I mean, once a business is connected with this, then they need to do something, right? What do you, what messages do you send and how do you handle the the messages that come back from the user? So the middle layer is sort of the conversational uh, layer, right? And it could be the agent assist that you talked about from uh, one of the companies. It could be a journey builder to create, you know, sort of uh, automated workflows. Uh, and then it could be conversational AI to have natural language 
capabilities to handle these queries and so on, right? Uh, so it's across sort of the pre-purchase, the purchase, and the post-purchase part of the journeys, right? So we enable all of that. And then the third layer at the top is we go even further talking about making it easy, right? We try to templatize uh, repeating patterns, try to standardize it, right? So, for example, banking is one of our biggest um, categories, right? Could we, and the use cases are very similar. So could we just prepackage it? Could we create some templatized workflows and experiences and standardized AI? Uh, sort of we call it, you know, the banking brain, for example, right? Which just means it's a, it's a pre-configured AI model uh, because, you know, the, the use cases are very similar across different, different banks. So if we can do that, then now when a, when a new enterprise or a customer wants to adopt it, you know, they can start sort of at the 80-yard line and then just, you know, maybe configure or tweak a few things and get it ready, right? So that makes the deployment easy. Or even, let's say, on the lower end, a restaurant, right? The restaurant use case is very standardized. If you can automate one restaurant, you can do a million and um, and so on. So I think these are sort of the three layers. And then there's also uh, connectors for third-party uh, platforms. People need to connect it to CRM tools, to, you know, like uh, maybe Salesforce, or to a commerce tool like Shopify or others, right? So I think the point is exactly right, right? So we, we looked at this whole stack, anything conversational across any channel with varying degrees of sophistication, uh, you know, the, there's a lot of complexity in that, right? So then we ask ourselves, how do we make it simple? How do we package it? How do we make it easy so that, you know, anyone, right? Sort of the no code, the low code and the yo code version of it, right? How do we make it really simple? So for a business user to use it, uh, somebody who's busy, doesn't have the time or the skills to to do that should be able to still get, you know, achieve their goals. And then of course, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, developers should be able to do very advanced stuff as well. So if we can build that whole stack together and deliver it, right? And I think when I look at the whole landscape, I mean, there's nobody out there who's who's doing it, right? Gupshop finds itself in this unique position where, um, you know, because of our expertise in emerging markets, we, we see this opportunity in a way uh, that that few other companies see it, right? And, and, and I'm not saying intellectually. I mean, intellectually, it's easy to understand, but the day-to-day, -day, you know, uh, requirements coming in from customers and, you know, who are talking to the hundreds of our our people, right? So the, the 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 breadth and depth of conversational requirements that we see from these markets really gives us a unique vantage point, right? And then um, uh, so so that gives us a great perspective. And then then we use that to optimize a product stack and refine it and build it in, in a way that you know that has that product market fit, right? I mean, everything I described, it's not like I'm just making it up, sort of in a you know in an academic room. I think it's it's really built on sort of thousands of these customer interactions and you're refining and and building it out right and then all the integrations and so on so I think if we can do that right we are uh, we are very well positioned to you know I think it's uh, to to enable it to build it to deliver it and make it easy for customers to adopt all of these things Mm, nice yeah that's a good that's a sensible approach it's almost like the one stop shop isn't it so you've got the the bottom of the market for want of a better word, is where there's easily deployable, you know, if you imagine a restaurant, you want to get to a position really where a restaurant owner can just log in, click a button, and without, or, or at least if they're using something like Salesforce or something like that, plug it into their system, and all of a sudden they've got a restaurant reservation booking thing set up in, in minutes, you know, um, exactly. which is ideal. I think if you add 
I don't know if you already have, but some kind of RPA, robotic process automation thing on the back end for where there's no APIs for some of the larger enterprises. That's the only gap I can see at the moment if you don't have that already. Everything else is there. Agent assist, cloud telephony, uh, you know, you've got domain-specific uh, interactions, maybe speech recognition, which you might pull from a third party. But it's, yeah, it's looking looking like it's shaping up. Yeah, ex- exactly, right? So, so it's sort of... You need to have the breadth and the depth, right? Because when we, again, when we talk to our customers, they're like, you know, we need to engage, we need to meet our consumers wherever they are, right? On their terms. So sometimes Mm -hmm. they call into the call center. Sometimes they send a WhatsApp message. Sometimes it's a text message. Sometimes, you know, and, and the consumer is always right, right? The consumer chooses. So, but, but on the back end, a business has to sort of unify it standardize it has to you know understand maintain context so you know if yesterday they called but today they're sending a whatsapp you know you should know who the user is and things like that right so just making all of that work and and uh, you know and making it seamless right if we Mm -hmm. can enable it like you said uh, a one-stop shop sort of a, a unified product stack that gives you a lot of this uh, out of the box as much as possible then, then you know, I think so. So what we're doing is we're investing a ton of, um, you know, a ton of resources. We are, I mean, Gupshap was a year and a half ago. Over the last year and a half, we've gone from about 200 people now to about 1,400 people, right? So it's a massive growth in, in headcount, in, uh, especially in engineering and product, but also in go-to-market. Uh, the geographical presence has grown from maybe, you know, I think a, a handful of countries to now about 40 to 50 countries, um, heavily in the emerging markets, but but also a lot in U.S. and Europe, right? So so even as I, I mean, while I emphasize this sort of emerging market experience a lot, there's many parts of the Western ecosystem where the same dynamic, you know, plays out, right? I think, um, for example, the restaurant experience, I mean, that is still you know, leaves much to be desired in the Western markets, especially this offline to online experiences can be a lot better, um, you know, or or tourism, right? You have tourists traveling from all over the world in these places and, and you need to be able to, you know, it, it's not just Americans in America, right? I mean, you have people from all over the world coming here and would like to interact using these different channels. So I think there are many, there, there are probably some really large and interesting niches and opportunities in the Western markets that we are also um, sort of targeting. Uh, but, but certainly in emerging market, it's like the whole, you know, it's, it's really what we're doing is digitization, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, it's a much bigger term, but it, it's essentially that because, you know, it, it didn't happen quite as much with the web and mobile apps. Uh, it's really happening on this sort of conversational platforms. So. Mm, it's really interesting, isn't it? And you can see that some platforms and some technologies are beginning to take on more than the AI side of things. So, for example, Nolarity, for example, cloud telephony, there's nothing stopping you from actually marketing a CCAS solution. And part of that CCAS solution is the AI, a little bit like how Microsoft has presented its contact center, which is closely knitted to Dynamics. But if you look at the press release, nine or or so of of the 14 features that were announced as part of that release of a contact center was AI integration. And if you look right. at Google CCAI, the partnership they've got with UJet, you know, the, the whole thing, the whole kind of contact center space is moving towards this space where I think three years ago, AI technology providers were kind of like, 
add-ons to a contact center. Whereas now, some of the AI providers are becoming the platform with deep expertise and technology on the AI side, which enables automation a lot quicker, a lot smoother, everything's more integrated, everything works together. Uh, But what businesses are tending to look for in that regard is that complete omni-channel experience. And so you mentioned, and we've been speaking a lot about how Gupshop began in messaging and has deep expertise in messaging, lots of customers using messaging, but then you look at Nolarity and you're then right. in the realms of voice. So I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on the adoption of voice AI technologies, voice assistance, either in the phone lines or in mobile apps and those kind of things, and how, how you're thinking about that in, in the next few few months and years. Oh, absolutely. I think, um, you know, voice versus messaging is really a matter of context, right? Meaning if I'm if I'm in a private area, like in my car or in a kitchen, you know, voice is fine. But if I'm in a public space, like in a meeting or out and about traveling, you know, text is probably better. Uh, also, if I want to look at a menu of choices, text is better, right? It's sort of been, uh, but, but, but if there's a million items and I want to play one song, right? Voice is better, right? In some ways. So I think there is really, uh, the, the point is, it's really all conversational. I mean, in, in my mind, it sort of, it bleeds over. In fact, it's actually going to bleed over in even more interesting ways because with the Nolarity acquisition, where they do a lot of voice, and then of course, Gupshap had a lot of strength in messaging. We're now enabling hybrid solutions, right? So for example, when a customer calls into the call center and the agent is busy, well, instead of staying on hold for 20 minutes, what if we just deflect that experience to messaging, right? Mm. And then the same uh, the, the full experience would be available through messaging as well. So now you can offload a lot of voice traffic to messaging. Uh, you can, you know, you can qualify, uh, you can solve many of the problems through messaging itself. And now if the user still needs to talk at some point, then it's a highly qualified user where you can then say, okay, it's a priority queue and you make sure that that user gets the problem solved, right? So I think when you think of it in a holistic way, it really opens up a, a lot of possibilities. Then you touched on uh, AI, right? Of course, um, AI, again, I think there's, you know, the state of the art on on text versus voice. I mean, certainly text is easier, a little easier to deal with than voice, you know, um, which involves many different accents and ambient noise and, and things like that, right? But, but either way, right, I think what we look at, uh, again, we're not beholden to technology, right? Whatever technology is, is ready and available and can be deployed at scale in a reliable way, uh, we want to take it out uh, to, to customers. And then, then we look at the data, right? We look at consumer behavior. What channels are they using? How are they interacting? And then what would help businesses you know, engage those consumers better, right? So, so I think uh, voice is certainly an important part of, um, you know, of customer engagement. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so I think, I think all of it will, the, the, the point is consumers ultimately, I mean, then you also look at just sort of the generational differences, right? A lot of the young uh, millennials today, I mean, they, they don't even like to talk to their parents, let alone <laughs> talk to a business. Uh, you know, they're like, look, why can't I just text you and get it done? Right. So, so I think there's a lot of, consumer preference as well. I mean, we are agnostic to, uh, to sort of this choice of channels. I think the point is, but, but, but what's common certainly is, is conversational experiences and then enabling it, you know, it could be structured journeys, automated, could be human enabled or AI enabled. 
And it, it just depends, right? When you think about different businesses, each business has to figure out for itself, you know, what is the state of the art? How does it fit? And then how do their consumers uh, react to it? But, but yeah, I think all of these are components. That's why we look at the whole product stack, look at it holistically. We don't try to sort of, for, you know, uh, sort of insist on a one size fits all kind of solution, right? Technically, what we have is a bit of a buffet uh, laid out in front of the, the customers, uh, but, but not in a overwhelming or confusing way. We say, look, there's a lot of flexibility here. Uh, you can pick and choose if you know what you want or based on our experience working with other customers like you, here's what we recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's the standard out-of-the-box solutions uh, or templates, if you will. And then there's some configurations that you could do or some customization, you know, if possible, we'd be happy to do it too. But even when that happens, then we try to roll it back into the product so that the second or the third time, you know, you don't have to customize. Mm-hmm. Nice. A lot of kind of, Companies, when they get started with these kind of services, if you think about the vision of what this technology can do for a business, and there's some good examples of how far you can take it, like Capital One, for example, fantastic example of if you take conversational AI technology and you put it at all of your touch points that you have, more or less, it can then be the front door to the business. And your whole business then gets oriented and shifted towards being a conversation first organization with a digital assistant as your front kind of facing touch point. I think that's where a lot of companies are going to get to. And you need to be mature in order to have that vision to be able to say that we're going to be conversation first, we're going to be AI first, we're going to completely uproot and re-architect our data to make sure that we can deliver our services across conversational channels. You have a lot of sophisticated technology both on the AI side and on the integration side and, and beyond to be able to bring that kind of stuff to life. And that means you need the skills and resources to do it. But in the entry point, as people get on that journey, the entry point usually is to start with with one thing, a chatbot, a messaging bot, something similar to that. And when you do that, you can start in one of two places. You can start trying to fix a problem. Like I was reading some articles today that someone was on hold with, um, I can't remember the airline, it was a Canadian airline. Someone was on hold for 11 hours trying to get a flight booked. Uh, And another one with American Airlines was from last week, which is someone was being on hold for four hours trying to get a flight booked. So those type of companies are highly likely to be starting off trying to fix a problem. Whereas a lot of the things that you've been talking about on the messaging front, certainly in the West, messaging is often seen as a way of exploring opportunities, a little bit like voice assistants, like Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant were kind of like three years ago or so. I'm just curious on your thoughts when you look at the market, you look at your customers and you look at what you're seeing, how much activity in this space is people trying to solve a problem, fix a customer problem and resolve a pain point versus exploring opportunities? No, that's a that's a great question. And it really puts an exclamation point on everything I've been trying to say so far, right? Which is, you know, no amount of theoretical arguments will convince a business to go conversation first, right? It's going to be practical data. And, and let me give you a couple of examples that we are seeing in our markets, right? So there's a, there's a fintech lender in, in India, you know, they they, they give out loans for automobile, auto loans, right? And then uh, they when they started, I think two, three years ago, they had a mobile app and, uh, you know, 
there was a there was a there was a traditional experience right typically a customer goes to a dealership buys the auto then goes to another desk to get the loan and then it takes some time and process and whatever it takes um, you know it, it takes a couple of days to sort it out and these guys they you know just because we were pitching they said okay let's try let's explore a chatbot let's create something and they enabled that whole experience through through messaging and through that they also uncovered some APIs and so on, so that they were able to reduce this loan approval and disbursement. So it's two-minute approval, 20-minute disbursement of loan. And guess what? The the number of customer sort of loan requests coming in over the last six months have gone from about 300 a month to about 12,000 a month. That's a 40x increase. Okay, so much so that all their traffic, right, 99% of it comes through the bot. Uh, the app, nobody's using that. So they basically shut it down. And now they've become a conversation first company. Okay. Wow. Not not because we convinced them, right? But because their consumers voted with their fingers, uh, with their dollars, and it, it really changed. And there are, there are many other examples like this where we are seeing, you know, there are, there's an education company that suddenly they find that a lot of their educational materials and content. So, for example, a student studying a calculus problem can scan a photo, send it through WhatsApp and instantly get a, a sort of homework help, if you will. Right. Uh, or there's a real estate company that sort of they wanted people to list their apartments for rent. And they found that people listed much more easily by taking photos and sending it through WhatsApp through their mobile phone rather than going into a website and logging in, right? So as these things happen, they become conversation first by themselves, right? And that's the point. I think in in the consumer behavior in emerging markets will drive this sort of conversation first ecosystem. Um, and I think in the Western markets, you already have a web first ecosystem deeply embedded, right? So, so I think this is how leapfrogging of technology happens, right? I think what... Uh, typically in the Western markets, you build a chatbot and, and you ask an average consumer, they'll say, no, no, I'd rather talk to a human because there is a human to talk to, right? But in the emerging markets, if you have a chatbot that works 25% of the time, that's a miracle because the alternative is no one to talk to, right? Mm. So when you have that, the willingness to adopt version one, version two, or version three of a chatbot is there. And by the time we get to version 10, guess what? It'll be world-class anyway, But but we had the opportunity and the ability to invest in every incremental version because we had enterprise customers that are willing to pay for, uh, you know, and and use these things. And, and in the using is where you get the consumer feedback to then refine, you know, each incremental version of the product, right? So, so I think uh, this whole conversation first mindset and, you know, that, that trend, uh, I think is the fertile ground for that, right, is is the emerging markets because in the Western markets, the, the, the web first uh, paradigm is so deeply embedded and it works really well. And one could argue, well, do you really need an, an alternative, right? So yeah, there may be pockets, uh, maybe the call center space, maybe some web widgets, you know, there's some conversational marketing, some chatbots and so on. There's, there's quite a few interesting sizable, you know, opportunities still, but, you know, but in the emerging markets, it's a substitute for the whole freaking web. I mean, that's like <laughs> massive, right? And there's a significant amount of people uh, as well. It's like probably more people than there is in the West. Uh, and so it's like a substitute for the whole web is, yeah, it's scary how big the opportunity is. Right. 
Yeah, exactly. And, I, you, you know, you're right. I think the, the number of people is huge. The volume of conversation is going to be massive. The depth of, you know, the richness of requirements and capabilities and so on. So once you kind of put it all together, right, I think um, this is this is a new web that's emerging, a conversational web, a conversation first sort of uh, interaction paradigm. And, and I think you're, you're going to see that, you know, because because it's stepping into a vacuum, right? It's not it's not stepping into a mature web-centric world. It's it's stepping into a place where there was there was nothing, and and this works so well. It works brilliantly. Consumers are adopting it, um, and and so on. And when that you know, as you keep turning that flywheel, I mean, a few years down the road, we'll look at it and say, wow, that's insane. I mean, you know, we'd still be making sort of theoretical arguments in in the West as to why it's better. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> you, you'll have massive consumer adoption and some amazing technology uh, being developed in, in another part of the world. And, and by the way, once that gets done, right, because these things, you know, these things take time. It takes investment. It takes iteration and feedback. And as you know, AI depends on data. So, it, But you need people to use it, right? Otherwise, if everybody wants the perfect chatbot, well, where are you going to get the data from? <laughs> so, you know, I think you, you need... Right now, we need people to use imperfect chatbots so mm. that you can actually capture the data to then make, you know, build the perfect one. And I think that that will happen uh, in, you know, in another part of the world. And I think that really is what we are excited about. We are seeing just, you know, uh, a ton of opportunity, just, you know, trying, scrambling to keep up with it, to build out all those rich capabilities, make it simple, make it easy and keep rolling it out, you know. Nice, nice. And in those years when uh, when the new internet, the new AI first internet conversation, first internet exists uh, over there in those emerging markets, and maybe in the Western Western world, who knows? Uh, Gupshop will be there, like Stripe, like uh, you know Shopify, as you mentioned. And uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows where it will go? But as I said at the very beginning, uh, coming full circle, you're doing extremely well I've, I've seen you speak uh, a number of times on on various different uh on various different things i think that every time you talk you talk absolute sense as you have done over the last hour or so and so i'm wishing you the absolute best of luck and thank you thank you for joining us appreciate it thanks thanks for having me and kane as always i really enjoy these in-depth uh, conversations and the back and forth so you're doing a fantastic job really enjoy listening to you and chatting with you even more so thanks for having me here Nice one. Thank you very much. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please do visit gupshop.io for more information. That is G-U-P-S-H-U-P dot I-O to find out more. Uh, also visit deepgram.com forward slash VUXworld if you're looking for speech recognition. And if you are interested in finding out your level of CX maturity and how to improve what you do and what your team do, please do join me for the workshop that I'm running with Cognigy the week after next vux.world forward slash cognitive it's entirely free it'll take two hours and you will leave more informed more educated and with a little bit of a plan about how you can improve your maturity so we will look forward to seeing you then be rude it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much thanks for having me